You, you need to understand I'm, I'm a life person. Where there's life, I come alive. So um, thank you so much. How many of you have been watching a rugby game, a soccer game, I don't know, whatever sporting thing that you're in, and um, somewhere along the line in your team, things have started to go horribly wrong? And like in rugby, the passes weren't making, the kicks were not going in the right place. I mean, it just seems like the communication between the players are, are not there, and it's going horribly, horribly wrong. I, has anybody been there? Uh, okay. What's the remedy for that? Pray. <laughs> Shout more. <laughs> Don't throw oranges or whatever. Okay. But whenever things go wrong, there's only one way to fix it. You've got to go back to basics. The reason why things go wrong can be because, I, I don't know, maybe you woke up and just everything wasn't lacquer on the inside of you. But sometimes there's external factors that cause a game to really go home. Rugby, when it starts to rain or whatever and the ball becomes slippery, then it just becomes a, a boring game because you've got to go right down to extreme basics. You don't kick the ball away. You don't have to pass long passes. You don't be fancy. you just got to keep the game nice and tight and because and, and, if you lose the ball, you lose the game. So you've got to keep hold of the ball, and that's how you play the game. And what you need to understand is our life is pretty much like a rugby game, a soccer game, or whatever game that you are involved in. And you've got to every now and then, when there are external forces that are coming against you, because that's what the enemy do. He is, he is a pro at that. If you are a pilot, and you are flying an airplane, and there is a crosswind, You've got to counter the wind. Otherwise, when you get to your destination, surprise for naughty, you're not on the runway that you were looking at or looking for. You've been blown off course. And so the winds of life are actually there to get hold of you and to distract you and get you going in the wrong direction. And so the only way that you and I counter that is by getting back to the basics again and making sure the basics are in place. So in Amos chapter 7, verse 7, prepared, so if somebody was throwing stuff at me, I had something to throw back. I'm joking. I'm joking. So this is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built to, to plumb. And with a plumb line in his hand, and the Lord asked, what do you see, Amos? He says, a plumb line, I replied. And the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel, I will spare them no longer. So if you've never heard or seen a plumb line, that's exactly what it is. This is what they used to use in the old days. Today you use a waterpass, uh, a spirit level. And it's got that little water and the bubble and the whatever, and you've got to get it all right. But in the old days, this is what they had. They had a plumb line. And anything that they were measuring, they would come. Okay, I don't know who built this one, but we are going to see. How plumb is this? Stop moving. It'll do. But it's not quite there. Joking, I'm just playing around now. So what happens is, is this, this is what the Bible is speaking about, a plumb line. That, and so what happens is you and I, while we're living for God, God's word is his plumb line that comes and gets put next to you to see how well you're doing. Why did you go so quiet there? 
But you see, the reason why is because God loves you and I, and He wants to bring us back. He wants to keep bringing us back into what is good, because God's Word is the best for us. It's not an afterthought. It's not kind of like cramping your lifestyle. No, no, it might cramp your lifestyle, but where you need to be going, that's what's going to be good for you. And um, so, so for some of you that don't know us, we've kind of like moved around. I've been married to Shirley for 32 years, and we have moved home 22 times in 32 years of marriage. Now, you put that in any equation, that's not a nice one. Um, and, and so you need to understand that if she knew that, I don't know whether she would have said yes. <laughs> anyway, so what happens is it's there, and God's Word is the standard. So when things are going horribly wrong, you've got to go back to the basic. What does God's Word say? It's amazing how we forget God's Word when there's chaos in our life. When the storms hit, go back to the basics. So, um, I did my pilot license, and um, when you're doing your pilot license, you spend about 80% of your time doing all the important things that you need to do, which is takeoff, landing, learning circuits, doing your radio work, learning how to correct an aircraft if it stalls in the air. You've got to learn how to handle an aircraft when the engine cuts out. And you've got to land, learn to handle an aircraft if it starts to go into a steep tile turn and starts to twist. And when the world's going around so fast that you're losing your own head as to where's right and where's wrong, all those kind of things. They train you to handle those situations so that you can become a good pilot. Why? Because the people that are sitting behind you want to know that you're a good pilot. Um, who have you heard that, that, that thing during COVID? Um, hello, I'm your pilot speaking. I'm working from home today. Do you hear that one? Okay, so that's not a kind of like a pilot that nobody wants have flying them around in life. <laughs> so the reason why you do that, and as you have your pilot license, every two years you have to go for a test to see how you're doing with those things. They test you. They're going to put you up there. Um, there's a thing that they do called stall. I want to tell you, if you've ever seen somebody's eyes go into nakhapi mode, you know what nakhapi mode is? They go wider than wide. It's one of those, because you go, and then you have to force the aircraft to climb till it can't, and it just falls out the sky. And then you've got to try and correct that thing, and keep it flying properly, and not go upside down, and doing all those kind of funny things. I'm telling you, the first time I was doing it with the, the instructor, yo, 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 I left my stomach up there, I had to go back again to go and fetch it. Yo. So the reason why you do that is because you've got to keep yourself sharp on those things. And there's one thing that you'll always hear when you're doing your pilot license. Keep flying the plane. When a storm hits and everything is being thrown around, there's another thing called wind shear. Is there any pilots around here? Half. There's a thing called wind shear that, that makes every pilot's hair stand up like this. And basically what it is, is that wind doesn't flow all in the same direction. So when the southeast is pumping, a little bit higher than that, the wind's going in a completely different direction. So between those winds, it's like a washing machine. And when you hit that thing, oh, yo, yo, depends how big your aircraft is, but normally it's going to give you a big wake-up call. And one day I was flying. First time I'd moved down to Peter Maritzburg and I was, I was using somebody else's plane. <laughs> and I was flying. And it was, it was, there's like a, almost like a little table mountain in Peter Maritzburg area there with the Mgeni River. They do the, that, um, what's that, that canoe race? 
the doozy and all that kind of stuff. And I was above there. And all of a sudden, I hit one of these things. And I'd, I'd heard about it. I'd never experienced it. Man, there was moment, you one there. Then the next moment, I'm coming, I'm going back to where I've come from. And I say, I'm trying to get to the airport. And then I'm trying to turn. And this thing wants to flip itself over, upside down. Man, I tell you what, my heart was racing wild that day. And I've got to realize that everything that they teach you when they're trying to get you to be a good pilot is important. Keep flying the plane. When things are going crazy for you, keep flying the plane. Because when you stop flying the plane, it crashes. Your life, if you stop flying it, it's going to crash. And so you and I have got to be doing that. Don't stop flying the plane. So one day, I'm coming down to, to learning to land, and um, the wind picked up, and it's blowing us all over the place, and, and I'm trying to remember everything that he told you. Now, um, this theory and this practical, and those two are very far apart. Because when they say do this, when you're physically doing it, it doesn't seem to happen that way. So then you've got to work out how to get that, what they're saying, and do it properly, whatever. Anyway, so I managed to land the plane, and I just heard his voice in the headset, I wouldn't have done it that way. I thought I was just good, just getting the wheels on the ground. And um, so what did he do? He actually took a plumb line and put it next to what I did and said, you're out of line. And the reason why it was important that I understood that is because I might have got away with it then, but I won't always get away with it if you're breaking the rules. That somewhere along the line, your shortcuts are going to catch you. And, and things will negatively work against you. And so we and I need to be very, very careful on what we're doing. And if, if, if you don't do it properly, you're going to die. You get old pilots and you get bold pilots, but you don't get old, bold pilots. I'm not talking bald, I'm bold. <laughs> okay. Bold is people that start to become cowboys. You know, you've been flying along enough and eventually you think you're immune to all these stuff and you start breaking the laws or you start pushing the envelope a little bit too much. It's those guys that eventually land up dying because something caught them off guard. And so the reason why the Bible teaches us things is because it's a reality. When the Bible speaks about fear not, the reason why it's talking about fear, fear not, is because fear is a reality. When it talks about unbelief, unbelief is a reality. All of us have been there sometime in our life where, where somehow your faith is not meeting up to the, what you require to happen right there. And so unbelief becomes a reality in our life. It says don't love money. Money has the ability to stick to us and it, and it has the ability to become a very important focal point in our life. Money is necessary. But when it becomes the very beginning and the end of my life, it's wrong. It's going to crash you. Is that good English? I don't know. Hope you got the point. Operating in the gifts. See, if the beginning and the end of everything is, is that, you know, I want to operate in the gifts. The gifts are important. But if the gifts is why, what, what gives you self-esteem or, or kind of like, did you, did you see that I moved in the gift? You see, that's wrong. And so we need to be very careful on what we're doing and, um, and how we're doing it. Is there somebody here, is there anybody here that doesn't love Jesus? We all love Jesus. That's a good start. I'm so glad to hear it. You see, and remember this, that I can be in love with Jesus, and, and, and that, but, but those things that I've spoken about now, if prophecy, you see, 
let me read this in 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels and do not have love. So I can do that. And, and the Bible straight encourages us very strongly, function in the gifts. But if I do not have love, it says this, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. In other words, all you're doing is making a noise. And he carries on. He says, and if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom out all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move a mountain and do not have love, I am nothing. But harsh words, if I can give all my possessions to the poor and give only and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I have gained nothing. Gained nothing. I'm going somewhere, so I'm hoping that you, what time did I start? Watching me. So here's the thing that you and I need to understand with all these things and, and this plumb line. What you and I declare that we have in our vertical relationship with Jesus Christ has to be seen functioning this way. How do I know that? Let's go to 1 John 4.20. It says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. Ah, that's a bit harsh. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us his command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. So remember I started off in the beginning is that when there's chaos around or anything comes, you and I have got to go back to the basics. Here's the basics of Christianity. It's called love. That is, the, that is the foundation to everything. And if you and I are not going to be people that would love, and I'm not talking about the world, the love of the world. No, I'm talking about a godly love. So, if you go and look in the Bible, you're going to find that there are uh, 26 love one another's. Okay? One another's. It says love one another. Greet one another. Encourage another. Where, where's all my notes gone? There they are. Greet one another. Encourage one another. Bear with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Submit to one another. Be, be members of one another. Serve one another. Build one another up. Forgive one another. Be at peace with one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another. Be equally concerned for one another. Have fellowship with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Consider one another more important. Spur one another. Do good to one another. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. There's quite a couple of one another's there. So do you think that the Bible is trying to create a, 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 an environment where the world, because the Bible says this, when you love me, the world will know that I am alive. So that's what God's trying to create. He's trying to create an example on earth that the world can see that they cannot deny Jesus is real. And Jesus came. And Jesus exists. It says this also. Do not grumble against each other. Do not let, uh, uh, let us not become conceited or arrogant or stubborn, uh, uh, provoking one another to envy and to stop envying one another. Let us not slander one another. Do not lie to one another. Do not pass judgment on one another. So there's lo Excuse me, there's lots of one another's that the Bible wants you and I to live. Because that's going to make you and I good pilots. 
That we'll be able to land, we'll be able to take off, we'll be able to handle storms, and we will get our passengers to the other side, and they wouldn't even know that they were in the air. They felt like they were safe and on the ground. So, we're going to start, and we're going to massage these things into us. Now again, the plumb line. Some of these things we might talk about, and you're going to use the plumb line and say, no, I'm sharp at that, then that's great. But there's some areas you might just say, whoa, I'm not so good at that one. And I need to start to correct. So I'm asking us in the comm groups and that kind of stuff, can you start to massage these things in through everybody? Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's look at each other's lives and see us. So one another. You see, is there anybody that does not want to be loved or does not like to be loved? I'm telling you, this is an amazing congregation because every question I ask is just like easy. You're all there. Why? Why is it that you want to be loved? Why is it that you like to be loved? I'll give you the answer. It's because the Bible says we're created in His image and in His likeness. And the Bible tells me in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. So what does that mean? That means that if you slice God in any way, the only thing that oozes out of Him is love. That's what He's made of. Every action, every intent, everything that he does, love's connected to it. So when life is getting tough and you think, Jesus, have you forgotten about me? No, he hasn't. But he loves you. He's committed to you. So now, here's another thing to have a look at. Is that that list of one another, there's 24 of them that instruct us to love one another and whatever. 24 of them is a sacrifice that I have to make as an individual to someone else. It's not something that just naturally happens. Okay? And then, there's two of them right at the end. It says they instruct one another and admonish one another. And instruct means to teach, to coach, to educate. The other one is admonish, which means rebuke and to reprimand. I want to say this to you. That the 24 that there is before that is a building of a bridge to someone so that when your relationship is at a place, and then you aim the place to be able to rebuke. You don't go into a relationship and rebuke in the beginning. You will lose that person. You're there? See, because I, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. I'm going to say that again. I don't care how much you know. You can be the, 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 the best are the best in the biblical knowledge and whatever. But if I don't know that you care, what you have to say means nothing. You're very quietly there. <laughs> so we see a language that Paul and John uses. And he says this when he's writing the, the, writing the letters. They say, I plead with you. They never came and arm wrestled people into doing things. He says, I plead with you. What were they doing? They were trying to encourage them to change certain things, but they didn't say, you dirty, rotten little rascal, what are you doing? No, they said, I plead with you. I plead with you. In other words, I'm really asking you to think about it. For your, for your interest and for the best of everybody else, I'm, I'm asking you, will you move this boundary? In Proverbs 10, verse 12, it says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. In 1 Peter 4.8, it says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. Love is amazing. Love covers. Love is not there to expose. If I love you, I'm not going to 
And I know something about you. I'm not going to go and tell the whole world about what I found out. That's going to stay between me and you. And then I'm going to say, okay, now how can I help you? How can we walk this thing together? That's love in action. So love does not expose. Love helps. Love builds. Love reaches out. Love gets into someone else's world. Love gets to understand. Love gets to feel. You know, there's lots of... We, we had um, a, a friend in Lady Brand who lost her husband during COVID. And I want to tell you, they had an amazing relationship. It's been almost oh, a year and a half, two years. And she's struggling. She's struggling. But here's the issue. I don't know what it's like because I've not lost my partner. I still have my wife. And when you've been close and you've walked these things years together, I want to tell you, it must be a hard thing to lose someone that you love very much. And we don't understand. And we can come very quickly and we'll come on, pull yourself together. No, no, no. Let us come next to and ask ourselves, how can we inspire? How can we love? How can we walk this road together? Whether it takes one mile or whether it takes 40, it doesn't matter. We're going to walk this thing together. You see, many of us start with good intentions, but our intentions run short. We run out of steam. Because we're not asking Jesus to help us on how to do this. So 24 of the one another is a building that bridge of relationship. And if, you're not, if you don't have those 24s in place, then you cannot go and start to get into somebody's face. You know, many people hear, oh, I gave them a piece of my mind. I'm asking you, don't, don't do that, otherwise you won't have much left. Took you a while to catch that one. <laughs> if you read in the Old Testament, it talks about the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord. Don't make an idol. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear fault witness. And you shall not covet your neighbor's things. So how well did that work? <laughs> it didn't work very well, even though it was a command, whatever. So we see Jesus comes, and in John thirteen thirty four, he says this, a new command. I give you, love one another, and then he says this, I as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you, so that, so you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you will love one another. Another. Now, you know what? When we talk about love, we have a very small understanding of love because you love ice cream, you love your wife, and you love the dog, and it's one word. But I do pray that there is a difference between your love for ice cream and the dog and your love for your wife. Because if it's not, you're going to be living in the dog box for the rest of your life. <laughs> We all would know ice cream. <laughs> so what is love? What is love? You see, a world's definition of love is love is a feeling you feel when you feel a feeling which feels like a feeling you've never felt before. <laughs> love, okay, I'm going to do a test. Okay, next week we're going to write this one down. Okay, you bring pen and paper next week. Love is a feeling you feel when you feel a feeling which feels like a feeling you've never felt before. 
All right. So that sums it up because the world is talking about love. Love is a feeling. So if it feels good, then man, yeah, I've got love. But as soon as things start getting tough, love seems to leave. And that's where Christianity kicks in. When feelings leave, love stays. And what does that look like? So then love encourages one another, serves one another. That's when all these other one another's kick in because that's love in the demonstration. When I don't want to, on the inside of me, when I don't want to. So remember the Greek word, if you know it, agape, which is the highest form of love. It's a God kind of love. It's an unconditional love. It's a sacrificial love. It's doing with, um, uh, doing something with no expectation of a return in any way. See, many of us are good at doing something, hopefully to get something back. We're good at that. But sacrificial love means I will do this, and if there's no reward for me, I will still do it. That I will walk with you, and if you kick me in the teeth one day, it's okay. I'm still prepared to walk with you. See, that's when we get quiet. <laughs> because that thing falls into that category where Jesus says, love your enemies. And do good to your enemies. <laughs> we think, ah, no, I want to kick my enemy. I know, that's how all of us feel. And then we've got to go into our prayer clothes, and we've got to pray in, pray in tongues for a long time, so we can bring ourselves in line. Phileo, I love you as a friend. Storge is a family love between parents and children. Eros is the essential or sexual intimacy that God's created in a marriage environment. Those are the four different Greek words for love. But the love that he's talking about here in, one, in John 13 is that agape, that sacrificial love. That there's no return. That I, I, it's going to cost me something. That's the love that Jesus is talking about here. And when we look at the word, love has no feeling connected to it, but feelings grow because of it. I'm going to say that again. Love has no feeling connected to it, but feelings grow because I'm doing it. <laughs> How many of you have had somebody not treat you well? Lots of us. I think everybody in this room has had somebody not treat you well. And our natural instinct is to avoid them and stay away with them and have as little to do with them as possible. But yet when I start to... Now, there's wisdom connected over here, please. But I'm making a statement. But the Bible teaches us to live differently. I remember some people got mad with me in one of the congregations and then they left. But the problem is they stayed in town. And town wasn't big. So when you're living in a tiny town, you're guaranteed to bump into each other somewhere along the line. But what's very interesting is that when you, when you see them and they make eye contact with you, you pretend as if you never see them and then you watch their reaction. And they're like, move to the other side of the street and they're looking at the window over there, trying not to. And then what I'll do is I'll walk across the street just to inter intercept them and say, hi, it's so good to see you. And they don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So what I'm telling you today is that if you and I are going to be people that will love, you're going to have to make a decision to do that. And what I found in my Christian life is the day that I make a decision to do something, God supernaturally empowers me to be able to fulfill that commitment. 
You see, to, for you and I to serve Jesus in the natural is totally impossible. But the day I cry out to him and say, God, I want to give you my life, it's somehow he comes and he starts to help me to be able to do that. And he starts to help me to work through all the things in my life. But it doesn't change until I make the decision to serve him. So John 10, 10, for God so loved the world. Who is that world? The ones that despised him, the ones that turned the back on him, the ones that turned his uh, name into a swear word, the ones that uh, would betray him. He says those were the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved those people. Romans 8, uh, 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love. While we were still those people that were despising him, we turned our back on him. We would turn his, word, his name into a swear word. While we were still those sinners, Christ died. Christ demonstrated his love for us. I know I'm speaking about something that doesn't get you to stand up in your seat and shout, yeah, I can't wait for this to happen. But this is what's going to make you and I stand up and stand out in the crowd. And when they, you know, Jesus said, when they, when they punch you, turn the other cheek. John 13, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you by this. I have seemed to have read that one already. But it's okay. We're reminding ourselves of that one. So it tells his disciples we need to get it right. That's what he's just trying to get there. Love one another as I have loved you. So can I, can I give you my general observation over my Christian life? Can I, can I give that to you? I'm not saying this is you because I don't know you and I don't perceive you as like this. But somewhere along the line, some of us might fit into this. And um, so over the last 34 years of, of Christian life, we are good at loving and caring for people we know. And we are good at getting together and having conversations with people we know. And we are good at spending time with people we know. And we will go and visit people we know. You know why? Because it takes no effort to hang around those kind of people. It's like you connect and you talk, and you've got lots of things in common, and, and what are there's many, many reasons. And so we, it's so easy, but we are not good at drawing outsiders into our friendship circles. When is the last time when we came to church? I'm just throwing something out. We came to church, and we saw somebody that we didn't know. Now, I'm not too sure if that's possible over here with the small numbers, oh, except me. <laughs> I think I'm the only one that doesn't know everybody. Okay, so... When was the last time when we came to church and we saw somebody we didn't know and instead of hanging around the people that we do know and easy to talk to, we stepped over there and says, hi, this is who I am. When is the last time we did that? You're not supposed to go quiet on me now. We're not good at having a conversation with people we don't know. How do, the, the biggest thing that stops us from talking to people we don't know is what do I talk about? Well, just ask their name. And then try and find out what they do for a work. And then after that, what do you do with your free time? Think of things that you can prepare yourself before you get into that situation of questions you can ask that are non-threatening. So I kind of like, you know, whenever I say, I say, what keeps you busy from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep? Because what's your work? 
and let people tell you. Why is that important? People are very good about telling people about themselves. Not very good at finding out about other people. Jesus, he's the last person on the food chain was himself. Otherwise, it was always about everybody else and where they were and what was happening with them. And that is in love, in operation. We're not good at meeting new people and finding out about them. Got that. We're not good at making the, uh, people feel welcome. Not, well, not, we're very good when first-time visitors, hey, welcome. And when they come back the next time, nobody goes to them. And they feel awkward. So I came to, when we came to um, uh, Brett being prayed into the AM, I came to the thing. And um, when I arrived, uh, they were praying. And they were praying in this corner over here. And so there was nobody saying hello to anybody that walked through the door. And so Rion asked me, how did you feel? I said, do you want me to be honest? I kind of felt awkward when I walked into the building. Because everybody was busy over there. I didn't know what was going on. And then I stood there and I was thinking, where? But now, because I'm the kind of character that I am, I went and found somebody. Hi, I'm Basil. And I introduced myself. Why? Because I've done this for years. But somebody who's come for the first time won't know what to do. Stand there and think. Because remember this. When people come for the first time, in their head they are making assumptions. Am I going to come back or am I not going to come back? What is it that's going to draw me back here? And it needs to be the love of Jesus operating through his people that will make people want to come back. Okay, so I'm going to, I want to stop there because I think we've heard enough. We're going to carry on next week. Is that okay? But I'm asking us, will we take the plumb line? And listen, this is not about showing up how bad you are because we've all got, we all got shortcomings. But let's ask ourselves the question, how can I get better? And if I don't know how to get better, maybe I can have a conversation with somebody and say, you know what, I struggle to do this. What do you do? And let's help each other. Let's, let's be humble. We don't have it all together. Um, you know, I'm, I'm new in this environment. And um, where I come out of, this might shock you right now, but the environment that I come out, we didn't have the prophetic movement that you have during worship like this. Because where I came from, it was... Lots of meetings in a day. You had to get people in. You had to get people out. Da, 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 da. So your, your meetings were of a set time. And you had only so long for praise and worship. Da, 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 da. Now I'm having to kind of like get my brain into a whole other thing. So I tell the elders, I need somebody next to me to help me. I am not embarrassed to tell you I don't have it all together. Because that's how we learn. That's how we learn. So, will we now? If you are doing it already, I am so glad. But if we're not, let us learn to love one another. And we're going to scratch open all these things, the demonstration, because all these things are tools in your and my hand on how to do it. God's not asking you to guess. He's given it to us. We just need to use it. Is that okay? Praise God. At least you're all nodding now. Just how you're looking at me, I'm thinking, yo, yo, yo. I'm glad I've got the, the weight over here. You, know, you can't grab it. I'm joking with you. Come on, let's pray. Sure, Lord, we come with only one intention. Jesus, we want to know everything that we need to know so we can be the best that we can be. And in whatever environment, in whatever place, we want your word to 
almost be like a sharp scalpel that will come into my hearts so that we can be those amazing men and amazing women, amazing family, amazing church. A church that will rock this community, rock this city. You use simple people like us to do great things. So, Father, I'm asking as I pray for all of us, I break every condemnatory thought that would want to take the wind out of our sails, of how we failed. or That's not the point. Lord, I pray that this word would put fire in our bones in Jesus' name. I commit all these wonderful people to you. Father, I thank you that we're growing from glory to glory, from strength to strength in Jesus' name. That, Lord, we will be bigger and stronger and better tomorrow than we were yesterday. Because you have begun a good work in us, and you will bring it to completion in Jesus' name. And Father, many of us, we don't know how to love. We don't come in out of an environment where there was much love. I'm asking that, God, you would help us now. As we just put ourselves in your hand, will you help us? I ask it in Jesus' name. And I thank you, and I commit every single one of them to you. And I thank you that you love us, and that is why you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. One question. The Bible says God so loved, he gave. But I want to ask, have we responded to his love? Because that's how you experience love. Love can't be a one-way traffic. You have to respond to that. And maybe there's somebody sitting in here, because I don't know you. But is there somebody here, you've never responded to the love of Jesus. You've never given your life back to him again. You've heard about it. You've maybe been in church all your life. You've grown up in a Christian home, whatever. But you've never made that decision for you. Is there anybody in this place who just say, you know what? That's me. I don't know that if Jesus had to come back tonight, tomorrow, that I would be in that train going to heaven. Is there anybody in this place? I know this is going to feel like, you're, you're embarrassing me now. But here's the deal. Because we love you, that's why we are making this invitation, because we don't want you to not have heaven as your destiny. Is there anybody in this room that you just say, yes, that's me. I don't know if I'm saved. Or you know what? I've never given my life to Jesus. Everybody, everybody saved. Everybody, if you are sitting here and you feel like, I, I wasn't courageous enough to put up my hand, please come talk to us. We'd love to help you. Talk to anybody. And if they can't help you, they will bring you to somebody that can help you. But don't stop. If something's right, push until you get the thing answered. Okay. Is that all right? Wonderful. Let's do everything backwards now. Quickly announcements. And then we're going to take up the offering. And I did what? Nothing? Oh, okay. You like it? I like it too. I like turning everything upside down. I'm joking. So I, I made these announcements last week, but um, don't forget the Timothy Training Ministry. Um, they're registering for next year. So if you know of any students that don't know what to do with their life, um, ask them to go onto the website, Timothy Training Ministry, and, and um, they can register there. And Kaya and Temba, 